Today is Sunday, August 5th, 2018, and uh, I just left Mike's a little while ago, and I actually had a conversation, a very brief one, one-sided conversation. I did most of the talking with uh, my daughter, and boy, I'll tell you, there's no disappointment like disappointment um, that you get regarding your kids. I, I'm kind of shocked that I raised somebody that can be that ugly uh, to her mother. So I walked into Mike's and my daughter was laying on the couch and I said, hey, when are you moving into your new apartment? And she said, why do you want to know? I said, well, just want to know, you know, when you're leaving here and moving into your new place and just, just curious about you know, what you're doing. She said, August 16. I said, oh, great. Well, when do your classes start? She said, why? I said, I'm, I'm just asking. I'm like to know when you're, when you're starting your classes and you know, what's going on. And the whole time I'm thinking, you know, I've raised you. I've always known where you are and what you're doing kind of. And anyway, she said, August 18. I said, oh, great. I said, well, I would love to help you move into your apartment. And she said, no. And I said, well, I'd like to see your apartment. I'd like to at least see it. And she said, I don't want you there ever. And I said, really? I said, well, I'm sad to hear that. Um, I said, uh, who's paying for your apartment? And she said, dad. I said, well, dad and me, you know, we share your expenses. We split your expenses. And I said, it's not just dad. It's, it's my money too. It's me and dad. And she said, oh, and I said, do you think that it's morally correct? I mean, do you feel righteous and and correct in taking money for your apartment from someone who you won't have anything to do with and you won't let visit? She said, no, I'll come up with my half. I said, oh, okay. And then she walked out of the room. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't have taken that opportunity to talk about that. But it really is true. She's in a fantasy land that, you know, she can she can just cut me off and not talk to me and be a jerk to me and still expect me to contribute. I mean, how, how can I seriously pay... A, a, part of half of her apartment rent, $680 a month and never be allowed to go there or even pay for her truck and insurance and phone and all this stuff. And I'll tell you, Mike and I have mediation coming up in September next month. And I don't know what Mike's expectations are around that, but I can tell you that that part of the, that part of the negotiation, it's off the table. I've talked with friends, I've talked with other parents, counselors, my family, who all agree, you know, a relationship is a two-way street, and if she doesn't want anything to do with me, wants to cut me out of her life, well then, do it. That's fine. Then don't ask me to contribute to college, truck, phone, all those things, apartment. But the sad thing is... This is going to further put me into enemy camp and her dad is going to 
just ride up on the white horse and just rescue everything because money doesn't matter. Money is not a point of leverage in this in, in her world because her dad will just pay for everything. So fine, I say I'm not paying for that, Mike will. And then I'm the jerk because I've extracted myself from paying this stuff. It's really sad. This is not the way I want it. I want a good, close relationship with my daughter. I have always wanted that. I have always strived for that. I've always had that up until the time she was eight, 18 or 19. Really 19. Um, she cut me off right after her 19th birthday uh, in January of this year. And still no one can articulate for me why you know telling me that I was too hard on her in her childhood I that's I keep saying the same thing over and over again but that is bullshit she had an amazing childhood with everything she could possibly want and need and I was always there for her and I had a phone conversation with Mike yesterday that was not very pretty Mike puts me in these untenable situations like this is what happened yesterday on Friday I made plans to have lunch with my son yesterday which was Saturday Mike knew I was going to come get him and we were going to have lunch my son knew the plans were made Mike called me yesterday morning and said don't come because Tori's having a friend over for lunch and I'm going to grill burgers and sausages and all this stuff and uh our son doesn't want you to come. He wants to be here for this. And I said, no, no, no. I've made plans with him. You've known about these plans. I'll just come get them. He and I will go out to lunch. Tori can entertain her friend, whatever. And Mike said, you know, you forcing him to do that, he's just going to be mad. You're not, you know, winning any points for yourself. And I said, you know, you're, you're just walking all over the plans I've made. I'll just come get him and go. And he said, no, don't come here. Tori doesn't want you to come here. She's having her friend from impact, which is some religious organization through Texas A&M. I said, I don't care who she's having over. I don't plan to hang around with them, talk to them or see them. I'll just come get my son. I haven't seen him in a week. I want to have lunch with him. And Mike said, no, do not drive down my driveway is what he said. So I call my son and he says, no, mom, I don't want to go to lunch with you. I'm going to stay here and hang out with Tori and her friend and dad's grilling and all of this. So yeah, of course, Mike puts together this fun grilling barbecue lunch outside and, and plans I made with my son are just cast to the side. And if I would impose my plans as I have a legal right to do to come get him, um, then I'm the bad guy. So he puts me in these positions where I have, I'm powerless because if I exercise my power, I'm just hated that much more. And so what do, what do I do? Force my son and then have him be ticked off that he can't be there for the fun barbecue? But, you know, never mind the plans that I've made. It's, it's, it's like, and I don't mean to make it just all about me, but it seems like my feelings, my plans, my wishes... They rarely matter. It's, they're always put aside. And everybody else gets what they want. Everybody else is happy with their choices. I don't get what I want. And um, I'm just really tired of that. And so we'll see what happens at mediation. You know how this is all going to play itself out. I'm not going to 
take on financial liability for tuition and all the other things for a person who will not have a conversation with me, who will not allow me to come over, who won't show me her grades, who won't unblock me from her cell phone. It's absurd. I think that she's she's in some kind of altered reality. I mean, imagine she can say and do whatever she wants and there are no financial consequences at all. She can behave as badly as she wants to, treat me however she wants to. It doesn't matter. It it won't she won't lose her truck, her phone, her tuition, her apartment, nothing. Her dad will just pay for it all. And when she and I were having this conversation today about her apartment, Mike's standing right there. He says nothing, even though he knows that we split those expenses. He says nothing. He's never defended me or um, had those kids show me respect. There's many times when those kids have sassed me or talked back or acted inappropriately, and he says, I'm staying out of it. He just sticks his head in the sand. And I told him yesterday, I said, I want to talk to Tori before she leaves. And he said, well, she doesn't want to talk to you. I said, well, I've got some things I want to say to her and talk to her about that I think could be helpful. Some, I've been soul searching and thinking hard about why she's acting this way towards me. And I want to share those things with her. I told Mike, she doesn't even have to talk. I just want to share some things with her that I think might be helpful. Some things I want to apologize for and draw attention to. And I told him, her cutting me off like this and acting this way has nothing to do with her childhood. He said, oh, well, go on convincing yourself of that. I said, no, really. I don't think it has anything to do with her childhood. She had an idyllic childhood. He goes, oh, is that what you think? You think her childhood was idyllic? I said, yes, I do. She had all the love, support, everything she could have ever wanted two parents who doted on her constantly never had to worry about anything we were always there safety love providing everything and um I said she I said there are millions and millions of people who would love to trade places with her and he said well I talk to her every day you don't have any idea what this is about I said well well then why don't you tell me if you know what this is about why don't you tell me what this is about no I'm not going to talk to you about it. Okay. I said, well, you know that ignoring a problem does not make it go away. Oh, no, wait. Maybe you don't know that, I said, because that's why we're not together. I said, for you to let this go on, you know, no matter how you feel about me, Mike, for you to let this go on, for her to treat her mother this way, and for her to let this problem go on and on and fester and not try to solve it, I said, you are emotionally stunted person. You are an emotionally stunted person. I said that to him. And he said, I'm not going to be lectured by you. Are you done? Are you done? I said, yeah, I guess so. And then I did not get to see my son. So I got to go out there today. They allowed me to come out there today. It's, here's another really pathetic thing. Last Tuesday, I went and picked up my cousin's three young daughters. My cousin was killed last July 2017 in a car accident near Dallas. I've been staying in touch with his three little girls who are 16, 14, and 8, I think, because they have no father and they live in extreme poverty and they live about an hour and a half from me. And now and then I, I pick them up and, you know, take them out to eat or take them shopping. 
And I picked them up on Tuesday. And the day before, I had said to Mike, look, I'd like to bring the little girls out there to see the cows, you know, bring them out to Mike's house to see the cows and chickens and cats and dogs and and to see um, our two kids. These are their cousins. This is family, blood family. And uh, originally, he said, well, I'll let you know. And then later, he said that we were allowed to come over for one hour. So, you know, this is... And this was in the middle of the work day when Mike was gone at work. So I don't know why he would care or how long we were there. But so he allowed me to bring the cousins over and stay one hour maximum. And I just think that is, it's just the, the, the opposite of a generous heart. It's just, I don't get it. I mean, these are, this is family these are the kids' cousins, and they're good girls. They're in two of them are in high school. One's going in third grade. They make straight A's. The oldest is in uh, junior ROTC. She's a straight A student. Has a job working thirty hours a week at McDonald's. They're good kids. They're a positive influence. They're not mean. They're not awful. They're all very tender-hearted. It's amazing how sweet they are. Anyway, Mike says you can bring them over for one hour, and that's it. And, you're, and you can't bring anyone else. <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. So I took the little girls over there to see uh, my son and daughter, who they haven't seen in years. And my son and Tori actually gave them a little tour of the farm. And they fed the cows and saw the chickens. And, and Tori was really sweet. She was actually nice to me, too, um, while I was there. She brought out a pitcher of water and glasses and actually poured me a glass of water, which I was amazed. I said, thank you very much. She was very sweet to her cousins and nice, and they enjoyed um, seeing each other. But, you know, at one hour, I said, we need to go. So we left, and, um, and that was it. So this whole situation is just so much harder than it has to be. And it's because Tori has made it really, really a thousand times more difficult with her behavior, how she's acting and what she's saying and doing. She's taking a situation that's already difficult and having this protest tantrum. And it's, it's making the whole situation so much worse. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. The other thing is... Um, I know when I'm not home at my house, sometimes um, my son and daughter are coming over there. And I did change the locks. My son has a key, but I had to change the locks because Mike was coming and going anytime he wanted to, day or night, and taking stuff from my house. And um, so I changed the locks and my son has a key and I have a key hidden outside. But I've gotten the sense lately that they're coming over there when I'm not home. And I'll say to my son, were you guys here? And, and he'll say, yeah, Tori wanted to get some stuff. So while I'm not home and unannounced to me, they're coming over there to my house and taking things. And now it's not that I mind that Tori's taking her things. She could come over and take every belonging she has. She has a bedroom full of stuff, packed full of stuff. She could come over there and take her things. 
I don't mind that at all. She's welcome to do that. But to, to come over when, when I don't know it or I haven't at least been given a courtesy text or call, hey, I'm going to come pick some stuff up. It's really weird and unnerving to come home and get the sense that someone's been there. And I'm like, did I leave that glass there? Or is there something missing from this room? Like you look around and, and you notice that some things are missing. It's weird. But if, if they would call me or text me or say, hey, mom, we're going to come by. Or even if my son could say, hey, we're going to come by. Tori wants to pick up you know, some stuff off her desk or Tori wants to pick up stuff from her room. Like, let me know, but they're not, they're not telling me. And I've asked my son to tell me when they're coming over, just give me a heads up. So I don't get home from work and have a creeped out feeling that someone's been in there. Like the other day I came home and there was a water ring on the kitchen table. Like someone had set a drink down and you know, it it sweated like the glass condensation was left on the table. That's weird. And I don't want to walk in and be like, okay, who's been in here? So I moved the hidden key outside to a place that I only know where it is. And I also have installed a doorbell called ring. It's a video doorbell and it records, um, everybody who rings my doorbell or everybody who comes in. It's got a motion detector and a video camera and I can see it because I'd really kind of just like to know who's coming and going from my house. That is it. So I put that in. The other thing that I have done, and we'll see how this plays itself out, I have changed the door handle on Tori's bedroom door, and it has a lock with a key. It looks the same as the old door handle, but it's locked. And this is for a couple of reasons. One is, and I've said this before, and I mean this, she can come over and take every last thing from her room. I will never stop her from that. She's welcome to. But she's not going to do it when I'm uninformed and when I'm not home. It's creepy and it's weird and I don't like it. And it's my home and I can decide. And so I changed the door handle on her bedroom door and it's got a lock and key. And I'll just wait to see who notices or who says it because I want to know, you know, the next time they come there and try to take things, they're going to, they're going to encounter a locked door. And the other thing is I'd like to lock up her room. I have friends over. I have my little cousins over. Um, I'm locking up her room. It's off limits. You know, Tori can go in there anytime she wants to. She can ask me for the key and I'll hand it to her. She can even have a key, but I want to know when people are coming and going from my house. I would think any normal, rational person would want to know that. So, I'm planning to call my lawyer tomorrow and talk about some things. Um, I'm really unhappy with the fact that Mike went out and signed a year-long, a 12-month apartment lease that puts me on the hook as well for the rent It's community property because it's community, you know, debt. So I'm on the hook for the lease, even though he signed it. He violated our temporary divorce orders. We're not allowed to be going out and signing leases on stuff. I mean, the equivalent is, you know, what if I decided to just go out and lease a boat for a year? 
that costs $650 a month or another car or whatever. You know, if I did that, I think Mike's head would explode. But there's no difference. Yes, I know it's for our daughter and she's there for college, but I wasn't consulted. I don't get to know where it is. They're not going to tell me the address and I can never visit, but yet I'm on the hook for it. That's not right. By any standard, that's not right. And that's where I find myself today, a pitiful place. And I will tell you this, 2018 has been so far the worst year of my life. The worst year of my life. This has been the most pain and suffering and heartache and hardship. This year has been horrible. I hope next year is better. I will try to make it better. I will try to complete my divorce, move on with my life, include people in my life who want me to be there and try to get this toxicity out of my life. And all I can do is, is let go of my daughter and hope that the 18 years that I had her, the 18 years that I did my best, I hope that someday she can look back on that and see that I really did do my best. And, you know, even at my worst, even, even at my lowest points of, of, you know, looking back, oh gosh, that was a terrible mom moment. I could have done that one better. Even at my worst, I don't deserve this. None of what happened in her childhood ever would, would be, would add up to this. Nothing. I've never abused my children. I have always acted with love in my heart. I've never put them down. I've never uttered a put down ever to either of my children. I've never said, you can't do that. You're not capable or you're stupid or you're lazy. I've never said those things to them, even though my son can be pretty lazy. I've never put them down. I've always lifted them up and tried to give them a great life. And I think that's what they've had. And I think that Mike continues to mislead our children by maligning me all the time. And, and yeah, yeah, your mom was too hard on you. Yeah, you, you had to endure all that. Because I've said to Mike, oh, really, if I was so hard on her, if I was such a bad mom, why didn't you speak up? If I was so bad that she has to say she hated me her whole life, where were you, Mike? When I was this terrible mother whipping our kids with a wire hanger. Where were you? If I was so bad, why didn't you speak up? He never said anything to me. Nothing. The most he ever said was, you ought to ease up on the, on the grades. You know, Don't be so worried about the grades they bring home. Just be worried about their report cards. Because I would get on my son if he would bring home a bad grade. You know, He'd come home with a 50 on a paper because he just didn't fill it in right or whatever. Or he didn't do it or didn't turn it in. And so, yeah, I got on my son about that. So if it was so bad, Mike should have spoken up. You know, what kind of a parent are you? If you think the other parent is being abusive and you don't speak up or do something, what kind of, what does that make you? Complicit, I think. And if, if, if there's something wrong and I don't know what it is or what I did, why don't they tell me? 
Oh, you, you pretended to call Santa when I was six. And you made, me, you made me take those matching new pajamas to that sleepover. Really? These are the kinds of things that my daughter is coming up with. That's awful. I'm so sorry you had to endure being forced to take nice pajamas to a sleepover when you were in the sixth grade. Your life was so bad. So sorry that's what you've had to cope with. That's how I feel. I want to go, oh my God, get your head out of your ass and look around at the world. You have a privileged, beautiful, wonderful life. My gosh, I hired someone from the Austin Symphony to come teach cello lessons to our daughter in my home because that's what she wanted. Loved her unconditionally all the time. Hugged her, kissed her. Carried her around everywhere. Took her everywhere. She didn't have a bad life. I, I, I mean, can I be that disillusioned? What, was I in a coma? Did I miss it? I, I hope that someday they can actually make me understand. Yeah, I called the doctor and got her an appointment in January. Because, and, because I knew the doctor. I mean, I've, I've talked about that many times on previous recordings. Does that make me a monster? My kid needed to see the doctor. She was having problems, frankly, that are hormonal related. And she needed to be straightened out. She needed help from our family doctor. So I, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that I was a monster mother. But I'll tell you, I, I, it took a long time to let myself off the hook. That I wasn't a complete failure as a parent. Because Mike would have me believe that. And my daughter would have me believe that. And it's taken me a very long time to let myself off the hook and to realize, no, I was not a bad parent. My kids were well-fed, well-cared for, loved, and kept safe. I did my part, checked the box, and I did it well. And that's the update for today.